Welcome, everybody, to Integrate Yourself. I'm your host, Allison Polo, and you can find me at pureenergypdx.com. I'm a holistic fitness and nutrition coach. I also help you with lifestyle, uh, holistic lifestyle design. And this show is all about integrating all aspects of health in your life. I bring on guests that bring in many, many different aspects of holistic health on this show, as well as I talk about this myself and how I teach my clients how to look at health in many different ways, have many different perspectives on health because there's not one way to do it. There's so many ways. There's so many choices. So it's great to know what those are and have an awareness of what's out there. So this is what this show is all about. Not to mention, it's way more fun to do it that way. And it's less serious because getting healthy is also about having fun and enjoying your life. So let's get back to some of that today. Today, I'm really excited about our guest, Doria Kareem. She is an incredibly intelligent and sophisticated, uh, really very knowledgeable guest. And uh, she's super, she's got the best energy too. And that doesn't surprise me because today we're talking about energy in in a way uh, that's a little bit different than we normally do. This is more about getting into um, energy energy quality and, and how um, we take that in, um, as how our biology takes that in from our experience, from our environment, basically. Really interesting topic, not one that is, is talked about very often. I got connected with Doria. Doria is my guest today, Doria Kareem. And I got connected with her through Paul Check. She was on his show. Actually, her father, uh, Dr. Ibrahim Kareem, was on uh, Paul Check's show. And I listened to the show because he had, uh, Paul had sent me an email about it and had said, you know, hey, you need to connect with these people. You need to have Doria on your show. And you know, I didn't really, I wasn't familiar with biogeometry. I had no idea what it was about, but it was really intriguing. So I listened to both shows, the one that her, um, Dr. Ibrahim was on, uh, Doria's father, and then the one she followed up with after that show. And they were both incredible. I was blown away by the information and I just had to have her come on my show and talk about this because this is this is something that I feel like could be a game changer for how we, you know, for this whole climate change talk and really how we interact with modern technology moving forward. As you probably know, listening to the show and, and listening to other holistic health practitioners, there's a lot of talk about how um, electromagnetic, uh, they call it electric, uh, electro smog, I think, something like that, and uh, environmental stressors from electromagnetic um, uh, waves can really mess with our with our biology and how we react with na- how nature also responds to, and and so this has been just this discussion today is really incredible because we talk about 
um, environmental stressors and how that, how we can do things differently just through changing shapes, just through changing architecture to uh, create a different biological response, to create more of a centering aspect, which is something that uh, happened in ancient Egypt, which we get into today too. And Doria explains all about this, you know, she unpacks it all. And uh, we also talk about how if we could, even just by changing the architecture of the schools that the kids um, go to, this could make learning so much better. It really could improve the quality of learning for kids. So very, very good stuff today. Uh, Let me tell you about Doria first before we get started. Um, She is the youngest in her family. And I, I believe from what we, from what she shared with me today, she, uh, it's the entire family is involved in this. And her, her father has been working doing this research and, um, writing, writing about biogeometry, I believe since the seventies. And so she tells the story of how her dad, how her father came across this. And it was really interesting. Um, so she grew up with biogeometry, and uh, she's also the director of Biogeometry Energy Systems Limited in Canada, where she heads numerous biogeometry projects and is a vital player of the vi- biogeometry research and development team, which aims to reduce all forms of environmental stress on biological systems. Doria has been working directly under her father, Dr. Ibrahim Karim, for more than nine years and has had the opportunity to gain experience in applying biogeometry in numerous fields such as regional environment, electrosmog solutions, architecture and industrial design, music, animal farming and agriculture, and serves as co-director of the design department. Doria is a building biology environmental consultant with degrees in both psychology and graphic design. She's also lectured and taught in over eight countries, having given over 30 biogeometry trainings. And my guess is there's more than that now because she's doing a lot of classes. She's been doing a lot of classes this past couple of years um, and been involved in the Czech Institute as well with, with some of these classes. So I highly recommend you check them out if you're interested in this topic. It's it's surprisingly, I've been reading, I read the books and uh, that she shared with me, and I thought it was going to be way over my head, uh, and it wasn't. It was very easy to understand. It's a very, um, because it, he, he has a way, Ibrahim, Dr. Ibrahim has a way of integrating the right and left brain when he writes, so it's, it is easy to take in and understand and apply. So very great, uh, very refreshing to be, to read that and, and just, and, and so much great information as well. Um, yeah, so this is an amazing interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And, uh, yeah. And so, oh, before we get started, I do want to share that I'm starting a group coaching program. My first online group coaching program is called the Happy Body Group Coaching Program. So let me tell you a little bit about it. You know, uh, what a difference it feels for me when I feel calm, connected, and grounded in my body. 
uh, feeling amazing in my body only requires me to learn the skill of creating a healthy self-care practice that is both fun and easy. And this is what we do in our group coaching program. I, I've been able to develop these practices in my own life to make health way more easy than it than um, than people make it out to be. It's so complex. Complexity sells. That's why. Complexity sells. It sells you lots of pharmaceuticals. It sells you lots of crazy supplements. And it sells you lots of crazy diet plans. Okay. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Um, we can make it real simple and fun. And that's what I do in this course because I'm helping you get clear first with your mindset. We're going to align the mind in the first part of this coaching program. And then we're going to get into the body. And I'm going to give you a very easy, uh, practical applications and how you can start aligning your body and getting your body healthy right away using the body your own body's technology very very fun stuff so what this allows you to do is feel more energetic and do more without feeling depleted all you have to do is learn the skills to energize yourself through taking inspired action which is the key to creating a vibrant body and I teach you how to do this in my group coaching program. We'll set a foundation of healthy mindset principles, and I'll teach you how to implement them into your life so that you can find resolution that stays with you for a lifetime. We'll first guide you, we'll first, first go through aligning the mind and the body, and then we're going to work on our relationship with food, and you'll learn mobility and how to create a movement practice you love. After this, we'll move on to some basic principles of nutrition and finally discover how to recover. Uh, we're going to do this. This is going to be over the f- a four-week period. Um, you'll get my, uh, my course as well that goes with this. It'll be a daily prompt, and um, you'll have a different thing to do each day. It's not going to be too complicated. It's going to be fun. It's going to be applicable. You're going to be able to integrate this into your life really easily. That's by design. Uh, so you'll get daily journaling, audio or video prompts throughout my, through my online course. And we'll do four live group coaching sessions with me through Zoom. That's going to be once a week. So it's going to be super fun. You'll learn how to create a movement and nutrition practice you'll not only love, you'll be able to, to stick to. And so I invite you to join me this June 1st for four weeks. If you want to sign up for that, head over to the link that I provide on the show notes and you can sign up today and I'll see you there. So without further ado, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce you to Doria Kareem, everybody. Enjoy. Self-care is finally a cultural phenomenon. The hashtag self-care has appeared on social media millions of times. So why aren't we applying it to our health and wellness? Instead, we beat ourselves up for not finding time to exercise, or we work out so hard that we suffer from joint and back pain. We struggle with diet, stress, and insomnia. That kind of health and wellness just isn't relaxing. It isn't joyful, and it definitely doesn't feel like self-care. Finally Thriving invites wellness into your life in a whole new way, bringing genuine self-care to your health and wellness routine. Learn how true self-care actually helps your body regenerate. 
Discover quick, simple exercises that build strength and flexibility, powerfully but gently, with hidden treasures along the way. Journal prompts, breathing exercises, relaxing meditations, and more. Merge your physical, mental, and spiritual wellness into one with Finally Thriving, and embrace a self-care wellness routine that will nourish every aspect of your life. If you want to pick up a copy of my book, Finally Thriving, head over to the link in my show notes. You can get it on Amazon. You can pick it up uh, as well on e- as an ebook or audiobook. It's available there too. And if you want to dive deeper with me, you can head over to my wait list link and join the wait list for the Finally Thriving program where we dive deeper into these aspects and learn more about ourselves. It's a three-month course and coaching program, and you get coaching from me every week. If you're ready to finally thrive, you can pick up a copy of my book or listen on audiobook, and this is going to take you through all the things, all the steps that I've brought my clients through and myself over 20 years of coaching, holistic health, wellness, and holistic healing. This is wisdom that will last you a lifetime. So follow the link on my show notes to pick up your copy of Finally Thriving so you can finally thrive. Welcome to Integrate Yourself. I'm your host, Allison Pillow. And you can find me at pureenergypdx.com. Today, I am here with an incredible guest. Her name is Doria Kareem, and she is going to talk to us today about biogeometry. Her father has been doing this research, I think, since the 70s, from what I've been reading. And Oh my goodness, this is this could probably solve all our problems. Uh, it could make life so much easier. So I'm ex- so excited to talk to you, Doria, about biogeometry today because a lot of people I feel like don't know anything about this. And, and what I thought was amazing about this too is that it really connects the dots as to why we built the pyramids and built all these structures that we have that were just so, um, you know, I guess, just amazed by, but also bewildered because it's like, why, why did they spend so much energy building these huge structures for, for what, what was the reason? So I feel like what your dad found out and discovered is that that gap, it it bridges the gap between that, those two things. So thank you for coming on. I'm so excited for you to share everything about what we're going to talk about today. And I've been experiencing it myself with the pendant that you sent me and I'm loving it. And we can talk about that too. And in my experience with it. So welcome to the show, Doria. Thank you for having me. You're Um, so welcome. So yeah, I definitely look forward to hearing about your experience with the pendant. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you, you spoke about the pyramids and I don't know if that's where you want to (sighs) start. Well, you know, yeah, I definitely want to get to that, uh, but first, I just want to introduce everybody to the idea of biogeometry and what that is. And if you could share, start also by sharing some information about who your dad is or who your father is. I don't know what you prefer to call. Um, and, you know, 
give everybody an idea of the work he's been doing for all these years and what he's been, um, you know, what, ha what he has discovered, which I think is incredible. Um, we could start there. Sure. So, yeah. um, well, my father name, um, so it's uh, Dr. Ibrahim Karim and he is, uh, an, an architect and also a professor of architecture. Um, and uh, he specialized, he worked for, my, my grandfather was also an architect, so they had a large architectural office in the Middle East. Um, that office uh, was responsible for a lot of the town planning of many Middle Eastern and European cities. And so um, that was originally his, his path of work and, and a little bit about the background, um, you know, of, of where he was coming from. My, my grandfather also uh, in his later years was very much interested in esoteric aspects of ancient Egypt. Um, not, uh, he wrote a few books about this, but it wasn't the, you know, his, the, the traditional professional career path was that architecture office. Um, and so if you, we were talking about uh, my father's book, Back to a Future for Mankind. Yeah, it is right here, yeah. And that book, talks about these series of serendipitous events that brought my father to what we call the birth of biogeometry today. So biogeometry is a term um, he coined. Uh, you know, simply we're, we can say it's the science of the energy of shapes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we refer to it as well as a design language because it has a lot of practical applications. Now, you know, to talk about how this came about. So you, you can read this story in Back to the Future. I'll try to sum it up in a few quick um, sentences, but basically having graduated and being back in Egypt, um, he was, uh, a, a, at one point they asked for my father to, to come in and do a renovation um, for a museum that had to do with ancient Egyptian medicine. And they kept, um, it was it was a friend or a colleague at that time, but he couldn't take it on, but they kept requesting him specifically. And through this, he was um, uh, introduced to, you know, his, um, they showed him a, a, a pendulum or, or what we call a scepter from ancient Egypt. And uh, having come from Europe, he was familiar with the concept of pendulums, or I would say detecting types of energies in the earth. You can uh, you know, those with a little bit of a background, or maybe you've even seen it on TV, there's this concept where you'll see somebody walking around with, um, you know, like a stick. The dowsing. Yes, the yeah. water. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the most familiar image, but you would also see some people kind of using uh, pendulums as well. So he knew of this, but he wasn't very much um, drawn to it at the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his friend said, uh, looking at ancient Egypt, I mean, like I said, there was already a reverence or kind of a respect for ancient Egypt. That's why I mentioned my grandfather as well. Um, but he told them, if, if we look there, there's, they approached what we call the science of redesthesia scientifically. There was a purpose to these shapes. Mm. And so uh, his friend told him, when you go to France, um, you're going to go to this store um, I, f I forget the name off the top of my head, but something like translates to House of Redesthesia or Maison de la Redesthesie probably, and ask for these set of books on what they call French Redesthesia or microvibrational physics. Yeah. And so at that time, he wasn't even planning on going to France. You know, a week later, he gets something from work saying, hey, you're heading to France. Um, 
you know, when he went there, he didn't go straight to the store. And then, you know, three days later, he walked in, he asked for these books. They said, we don't really have, we don't carry these books. A lot of this, you know, this, this information of approaching what we would call vibrational redesthesia in this way is, you know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not popular or widely available. So he said, uh, a woman actually overheard him and she said, are you the Egyptian? Oh, wow. And he said, we've been waiting for you for yeah. three days. Um, and here you go. You know, here is a lot of this research um, that discussed many different things. You know, it was, we call it French redesthesia. They called it microvibrational physics. It had to do with, you know, it, um, at that time, what was popular was really, if you think about the radio engineering and coming out and applying these, this type of thought principle to something like dowsing, mm. which was a weight on a string and looking at different types, applying things like wavelengths to this concept and seeing, can we tune the body to different vibrations? Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, she said this was... Um, here's all of these texts. And there was, you know, when they studied shapes, there was shapes that were beneficial and shapes that were harmful. And there was for a lot of different reasons um, the, that science didn't become as popular, but she told him, here are the books and we know it's an Egyptian who's gonna be reviving the science. And so he then took it back to, to Egypt where he started looking through this research. Now, you know, the other um, serendipitous part, in my opinion, too, is just who it fell, whose hands it fell into. Because he was, yeah. when he approached, um, when he approached this, you know, while we talk a lot about the science of biogeometry, even places like the pyramids, for example, um, and other what we call power spots, these places are known as being places of healing. Mm -hmm. You know, so already there was a little bit of an aspect there if you look at the shape of a pyramid, a lot of people use it for meditation. A lot of people use it, um, you know, for if there's people out there listening who do orgone devices, crystals and pyramid shapes. Um, so there a lot of people consider it hippie, but it's, there is a science to it, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I can, you know, off track, but I can tell you for sure. I mean, one of the things when he started teaching by geometry, this was, I don't know, we had a few years ago, an event where we had the celebration of 45 years of by geometry being taught. And when he started teaching, I think the word energy and all of this stuff was like non-existent in, in, in our society. Yeah, right. And then when I think of, you know, when we go out today, um, you know, it's, it's uh, my whole family is involved. So that's why when me or my sister, or my brother go out, teaching or, or, or speaking to people, this idea of energy now is, is there and it's coming out. And, um, you know, whether it used to be that, you know, maybe you hadn't heard of it at all. It's right. got some of these concepts now. Yeah. So some, almost everybody's heard of it. Not many, some people don't buy into it. So, right, sir, that's um, true. so, so we can say that. Um, but yeah, so, so going back, back to him, I mean, one of the things that was great was his, his background in that he wasn't uh, a doctor. So I think what that allowed him to do is to come up with an approach that is very different in terms of working with the body. 
uh, and working with the environment than a doctor would. And, yes. and that was basically what gave us biogeometry, but background of master planning. Um, what he what he focused on right away was these power spots. Right. You know, right. You know, there was these areas from which if we look at, you know, if we look at history, there was important spots to all of history. And, and these came about even before certain, um, you know, religious or spiritual beliefs. It was the spot itself. And when we look at how they would find these spots, it would even be through things like migratory patterns. Hmm. Or um, that makes sense. How, yeah, migratory patterns. How one of the things they would look at is uh, the freshness of meat from animals there. They would look out. They would look at the rate of fermentation. So all of these different things of observation and um, and then we get these sites that basically we call sacred sites or power spots or um, places of power. People have different words for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, when we look at them, the reason they're interesting for us now when we talk about energy is their locations where if you look at them, a lot of people have an experience that leads to healing, wellness, um, emotional well-being, and this happens regardless of what you're diagnosed with. Yes, I believe that. Yeah. So that was important as an architect because it meant if I could unlock the secrets of these sites that have what we call a centering quality. Oh, well, yeah. Then I can have something that I can provide to people through architecture, through a design language that would create centering environments that are beyond polarity, we say, beyond dosage, which goes beyond our general, our, our modern um, approach to healing the body, which is very much polarity and dosage oriented. Yes. Makes it much easier to heal, I think. You know, it's a, it's it's an interesting thing because I, I and I remember reading about harmonics and and the science of harmonics and how, um, you know, we've all, well, many of us have experienced a sound healing session, but we can't really always explain how that works, but you always feel much more aligned and balanced, or you can, I've also experienced in a sound healing session, parts of my body that uh, are restricted. And then it's a little pain or a little density in those areas as the sound moves through. So there is there is this huge aspect that we're not addressing in the medical industry um, of sound, color, you know, which is what your, your dad, your father writes about in the book, which is amazing. Kind of, he really does connect the dots. And, uh, and so in my opinion, this, this is so important because, um, you know, we're, we're trying this, we're, we're trying this, looking at it from very, uh, a very separate mindset of everything's this is here this is here when it's in reality it's all working together and we can make it so much easier on ourselves if we looked at it that way it, it, healing could be way more pleasurable in my opinion you know I mean, than it is now yeah to, to go I mean I guess to be a little bit um more towards using the the terminology or the approach that we normally use it's not so much that we say 
that in biogeometry, we're looking to heal the body. I mean, we see that as one of the components of sacred power spots, but what we actually say we're doing is what does the sacred power spot actually show us? It shows, shows us what the, the experience that we can have in a centered environment. Mm, yeah. And so what we talk about a lot is actually looking at what we call the qualitative energy exchange with the environment. And in a way, I mean, if you, you know, those, those who might have some kind of energy background, or you mentioned sound healing or different things like that, even um, when we're looking at that approach, I mean, the thing is even in, in a, and this is something that might be important as well for a lot of anybody who's doing energy work out there, because sometimes even, even in sound healing, you have to make sure now to be able to, what we call now that centering quality, you still have to go to a practitioner who would know the right fork to use. Right, yeah. You know, same thing for, for color healing. You need to, to have somebody who knows which color to pick out. So what we try to actually approach it from is if we can bring in or place the body in that centering energy of a sacred power spot, in a way the body will start to enter a state of, it will start taking care of itself. Oh, I love that, yeah. And that's well, what I felt when I wore this, it, it just seemed to be very subtle, but I noticed uh, just things were working out better, you know, not that things weren't working out, but I noticed that things were, there was much more of a flow and ease to my life when I, just because I feel like it did balance out and align that subtle energy body. Um, and and I, I put the the stickers around the house as well and, and felt the difference. So that's what I, I, I can, I have experienced exactly what you're talking about. It, it is, um, and I, I feel like if you, you know, to experience that you do have to um, be healthy because it will, and, and, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but does, um, do the power spots in a way amplify whatever's going on in your body or uh, in your reality? Is, is that how it works too? Well, so it's, um, uh, it's not an, an amplification. We call it actually, so the reason that we use the term centering instead of balancing. Centering, okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And what's the, you know, what's the, what's the definite, or what's the difference between the centering versus the balancing is from the general approach, you can even think of them as, as if I was trying to balance your body, mm-hmm. then what I would, the, the approach that I would be doing is I need to find out what's out of balance in order to achieve a state of balance. Now, the problem with doing that is that, you know, you're, you're playing this game of trying to keep the scale steady. And then on top of that, it's a difficult approach because while I'm trying to figure figure out what's going on in your body, your body is responding to the environment. Mm. So it's a changing energy system. Now the centering approach is a little bit different in the sense of um, if you look in in sacred power spots and we go back to sacred power spots, there is the the birth of biogeometry was actually being able to detect the quality of a sacred power spot. And so once you're able to detect it, you find that there's actually that quality exists within our system. So those who are familiar with something like the chakra system, mm-hmm. uh, biogeometry is a science of shape and it doesn't have, I would say a chakra system. But when we looked at the, the shape of the human body, the shape of the human body itself, every shape has these centers 
and the shape of the human body has these centers that happen to fall exactly where the chakras normally in, in most systems are said to be. Wow. And so what happens is the idea now that when we can connect back to the centering quality or what we actually say is try to have the centering quality amplified to fill the entire system. Now, it makes sense that the only way we can do that is also in our interactions with the environment. But once we're able to achieve that, then the body starts to, the body can start to balance itself. So our goal isn't actually, when we're working, our goal isn't necessarily to, you know, um, to achieve a state of balance. It's to activate the centering quality in the environment so that a natural state of balance is achieved. Yeah, that I, I love that. It, because it's, you're working with the the earth's energies then to, to harmonize with it, it sounds like what you're saying. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we work with the earth's energies, we work, I mean, you mentioned sound color, uh, or I might have mentioned color. And it's the same thing going through, you know, the book back to a future for mankind, there is a chapter there where we talk about the physics of quality. Mm-hmm. And what we look at is when we look at a color, there's a quantitative side to the color, the frequency. And then there's a vibrational quality to it. The vibrational quality is the color that we see. So we say that, you know, you have quantity and quality are two sides of the same coin. But when you start looking, basically for us, what's the the definition of energy is, is something is the ability to produce an effect. And when I say the word quality, I mean, the effect that you experience. Hmm. Once you start being able to measure energy qualities and understand the energy of shape, then we can start to shape environments so that we are changing the quality of everything that's affecting us. So this is where we get, for example, to the work of biogeometry, where there's been regional solutions to help with the effects of things such as electromagnetic fields. But I would say environmental stressors as a whole, we try not to focus on one thing, we try to look at the body's interaction with the environment as a whole. Yeah, and 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 you and he used the term. You you guys use the term electro smog and how that's affecting our bodies. Um, and I, I love, I do really love the the idea and the approach because, in a way, it's not. It, it doesn't feel like there's nothing we can do. We have to get rid of technology. What you guys are saying is that we can work with it and improve the quality, like you're saying, of energy that we're, that we're experiencing um, with using different shapes. Um, like you talk about in the book, uh, you have, another, he has another book, Biogeometry Signatures, and it talks about what the shapes mean. And so interesting and how each shape relates to a body part as well, or an organ as well. That's, I thought that was amazing. How does that relate to the um, architecture and the buildings we build and, and as well, like the structures of the past with the, the pyramids and, and, and all of that and the megalithic structures and, and everything? So when we look at um, the, the pyramid shape, I mean, we, we spoke about the, the pyramid shape, so maybe we can um, start yeah. there. But the pyramid shape itself, if we look at that shape, um, we say that that shape is an energy emitter. Okay, so it's known to amplify. Um, and a lot of times when people meditate under it, it's because they're, they're, 
they're aware that when they enter the pyramid sometimes, or you know, some people are sensitive, some aren't, but they can feel a rush of energy. Now, the, the main thing I would say that was missed, so for, for anybody there that's interested in, in shape, um, in the energy of shape and pyramids, I would say take, you know, if you don't get the book, Back to the Future, at least take some time to look up um, the, because the most people are replicating the shape of the Great Pyramid without being aware that the base is actually eight-sided. And so there's certain photos from angles that can show these slight indentations. And that's actually a very important aspect of the shape that needs to be replicated whenever you're reproducing it. So that's just a tidbit there. But the main thing is if we look at the pyramids as it's a shape emitter. So the big question is what is it amplifying? Mm -hmm. And when we, when we understand what it's amplifying, then we can look at the history where we look at things like megalithic stones and we see how the ancients would interact with the sacred sites. So one of the first examples is they would get these menhirs, um, so these huge megalithic stones that generally had a high quartz content, and they would use it to mark, and they could be, they, you know, they could be getting these for, for miles, for miles away, huge wow. distance, they would be carrying them to mark these sacred sites and amplify that energy. Now, if we look at that megalithic stone, you know, you can see it from megalithic stone to things like stone, mega, like multiple stone structures, even related to, um, you know, the earth and sky. So probably the most familiar one would be Stonehenge right. um, as an example. And then we see other different kinds of interactions, you know, so we see once we start getting into this concept um, of energy qualities, we move from just the regular men here to something like the obelisk in Egypt. So in the obelisk, we actually find the concept of um, height. So mathematical proportions are coming in and you would have, so other than material, you'd have also specific height to create a wavelength mm -hmm. that reproduces that desired energy quality. So, oh, wow. so one researcher who's mentioned in the book, Dr. Constantine Mill, he actually um, studied how temples dedicated to the same God had the same wavelength. So the length of that temple would be the same. Now it's a little bit different in biogeometry. We would look at we would look at both the, the length and the height. So then we get to from the obelisk, you can actually see that sacred architecture continuing into church towers and mosque minarets. Right. So you do see this evolution, you know, even if it's not exactly um, you could, I mean, it's it's today somebody could come and put a stone with a high quartz content on a power spot. We still do that, but we do see this evolution of how there was an interaction with them. And then with the pyramids, we see what's called a dolmen structure. And a dolmen is like a gate structure mm -hmm. that was usually placed in the east-west direction. So again, east-west, you can think of that cycle, um, you know, that sun rising setting um, yeah. related to that whole solar, solar cycle you know, life and death cycle. And this gate, so traditionally you might find things such as an Eastern gate or a dolmen structure that was then covered by a hill, taken to the next level in the Sa'ara pyramid. Then finally we see another level where you have the great um, pyramid with the king's chamber being that dolmen. So you, you see this different combination of an interaction with power spots. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it, it, 
progressively, um, it, what I hear, what I think I hear you saying is that you're, it's prog- progressively getting a little more refined each time you're saying each time they do it. Yeah. I mean, okay. Um, you can say that or different components or, or ways of interacting. Um, oh, right. I see. Okay. You know, with, with these earth energy sites, but I mean, it's, it's important to us today because, uh, you know, one of the other things that we look at is, I mean, it's, it's a lot of times what, what's not discussed. I mean, we, for many times, if, if we look at that, we have our brain and it's a filter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the five senses and that's how we're experiencing the world. A lot of times what we don't realize is we also have a time that we're born in and that's how we're experiencing the world. And so there's a shift discussed in Back to the Future for Mankind, that shift from a holistic right brain perception to the left brain perception. And then now we see that door to the right brain opening again, that right brain perception, that holistic worldview. We're trying to move a little bit from, and I would say we're from the biogeometry perspective, we can't say we're trying to move from the quantitative and the mechanical to the qualitative. We're actually trying to, we see that so much progress has happened here, but we're trying to open the doorway so that we're, bringing in that centering energy quality into all of our products of modern technology, because that's a knowledge that we used to work with. Yeah. Sounds like that's what's missing. Yes. I mean, it's definitely our opinion. That's, that's, that's missing, you know? Um, I mean, it's, it's once we get into just this concept of qualitative energy exchange, you, you apply it in everything you apply it in, um, you know, how can I bring the centering principle even into what, what the definition that we actually give? I mean, I've been using this term, uh, maybe spirituality or spiritual belief or centering energy quality. The definition that we give to spirituality is excellence of action. You know, yeah. there, there's different aspects that we do. There's some things that we need to um, where or shapes we add, like you mentioned, because there's some things that we're bringing in products of modern technology that we find are depleting, depleting our life force a little bit. And so with those, we have to come in and add a solution, but excellence of action happens in our daily life and our approach to everything that we're doing. Um, you know, R- so- rituals and what we're, we're practicing most of the time and focusing on is, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Rituals. Um, I mean, rituals are, Rituals are important because through the science of, of, through looking at it from an energy perspective, we don't want to lose rituals. Um, You know, every, a lot of locations have rituals that we might take for granted and we can measure the effects of those rituals, but even um, approaching excellence of action in everything that you're doing, you know, whether it's, it's waking up, making your cup of coffee, whether it's, um, you know, your workout, your, just that approach is important to bring into daily life because when we talk about energy as the ability to produce an effect, you know, that includes your emotional and mental energy exchange with the environment and yourself. And so we look at that from a scale of, you know, it's, there's obviously things that you, you're bringing into each situation. And then there's things that because we no longer from an energy perspective, let's say you kind of bleed into the environment. So if there's a lot of environmental stress, mm. then that's going to affect your emotional and mental state, whether or not you're aware of it. 
That makes a lot of sense to me because I, I can tell a big difference when I'm in New York as opposed to Portland, Oregon <laughs> or Oregon itself, you know, just being more in nature. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all the extra, you know, noise and um, electromagnetic stress and a lot more people living very close together. Um, yeah, I, it can feel a huge difference with that. Yeah, I just couldn't even took me so long to get to sleep there <laughs> when I was visiting one time. Oh, not, not uh, about a year ago, I guess. And yeah, it's, I, it's, it, and some of it can be subtle. Some of it, I feel like people can get used to over time and, and not be so aware of it. Right. Um, but yes, it does affect our health and our well being, And it really, it does affect what you're saying. And really being your best. And it, it brings you back to the book, The Four Agreements. And he talks about one of the agreements is to do your best. And we can't do our best if we're not at our best, you know. Um, or of course, you can do your best if that's your best, but not better than that if uh, if the quality is is poor, right? So, um, so what, yeah. and I'll say what biogeometry brings to the table is that there's a part of that, there's a part of you that you can think of as your environmental self. Mm, yeah, uh, you know, or uh, we don't, you know, there's, there's a part of you that's completely, I mean, it's when we go into the ego and the, the full, you know, the part of you that's actually, you know, all there, all part of that environment. Now, that part of your environmental self, what we're trying to do is bring that quality of that information exchange to be as centered as possible so that it's supporting your environment and so by bringing it in you know we say that we're opening this doorway and this is what the ancients did you know if if we look at if we look at ancient egypt um a lot of times when people approach ancient egypt they think that ancient egypt was a polytheistic religion but from the biogeometry perspective we look at it a little bit differently and what we see is that the ancient egyptians were they weren't looking at what we call the netters that was actually the names of the gods, and if you see it, netter is the root for the word nature. Mm -hmm. It's that these were nature powers. And so we actually look at them as a set of abstract vibrational laws that help govern our body. So when we look at it, there's, a, there's an actual level, archetypal level of blueprint upon which we're, we're built that we need to stay connected to in order to grow in this, in this centered manner in the environment that we're in or in order to interact. And that's what we're trying to bring in yeah. when we work with biogeometry into environments. So, so the ancients knew how to do this because we see that in how the importance that the power spot played in their environments is that it brought the centering quality, which has a lot of different things. I mean, when we, when we look at um, the, the towns where we worked in Switzerland, a big part of bringing in the centering. When, when we went in, in Switzerland, there's two towns, Hamburg and Hitchburg. And when there was a cell tower installed, people started complaining of a lot of health problems. Oh, right. And my father's friend knew of his work. I mean, he had gone to Eteha in, in Zurich. And um, uh, my father's friend knew of his work they, and he asked him if he can come and approach it from a biogeometry perspective and provide a solution. Now, when he went there, he realized, you know, they, they had an independent study. 
that was done, but within the study, the health effects that people were complaining about were not just related to, um, there was headaches, insomnia, mm -hmm. but then it moved a little bit from the physical to mental health effects, tension, fighting more with people, even things like saying the will to live was, wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. And that became a huge part of the study because it, it doesn't matter if it's just the tower. I'm not saying that the tower is the problem here. You can say that the tower was the tipping point because when we look at the environment, there's a whole set of things that we look at. Um, and then also there was a huge um, issue with the cows. So the cows are having a lot more stillbirths. There was an issue of course then with the uh, dairy industry there. There was ecological um, and ecological upset. I mean, one of the things that after applying biogeometry, the first thing that the residents noticed is, hey, the bats are back. Oh, wow. So there was, we, we from biogeometry, we began to see this aspect, and this is where I was talking about that emotional and mental centering that you need your, that you need your environment to support you in because by applying biogeometry and removing that environmental stress, those um, emotional and mental symptoms that the residents were complaining of went away. Mm, that's incredible. And so we see now that importance and we're bringing it more and more into, into a lot of these different aspects where we're even studying um, the shape of a classroom and developing the ideal shape of a classroom to help support children with autism and ADHD and wow. ADD. And looking at that now, once we start doing this research, that ideal classroom is not just for the child who is said to have autism or ADD. We actually find that it's the same set of shapes that are stressful to all of us or help relieve the stress from all of us. It just the effect might show a little bit easier on those who are more sensitive to shape yeah. energy. Yeah, that that's incredible. And I, I, I wondered to myself, like, how do we lose this knowledge? You know, because uh, it seems so valuable. And it feels like we we could solve so many issues and problems, right, with one, one thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember looking at the biogeometry geometry signatures the and uh seeing there was actually one for even food intolerance there's a there's a signature for that right a shape and uh what would the shape be like i mean that might be hard to describe but for for a classroom like maybe could you describe what that would look like uh for har harmonious classroom yeah i mean let just me... curious about that <laughs> Yeah. Let me see if I can if I can even just uh, show it to you. Okay. But looking, I mean, um, looking at uh, let me just pull it up here. Looking at food intolerance and, and different things like that. I mean, it might be worth it while I'm pulling this up now to just um, explain what the biosignatures are. So one of the things that the biosignatures are is um, looking if if anybody's familiar with the meridian system or acupuncture. Mm -hmm. um, so you have in um, in, in Chinese medicine, um, an approach where you have the meridians, there are lines that run across the body, and then you have points on these meridians that are acupuncture the points. Now, this is just to give an example. It's not exactly the same thing, but to give some people an example that maybe they can relate to. So when we start measuring what we call qualities, so like I said, tuning the body to be sensitive to just one specific quality so that you can, you can think of tuning, you know, uh, 
and energy quality could be something like you mentioned, sound healing could be something like the energy quality of dough, but just making the body very sensitive to that specific quality or the energy quality of the color red. Mm -hmm. So you can actually start tracing when you start looking at them as, as specific qualities, you can trace energy lines that are moving through the body, very similar to the meridians. But oh, yeah. just like we spoke about the chakras being related to the shape of the human body, it's actually the same when we look at meridian lines. And you see that, you'll see that they run along the shape of the body. So biosignatures was actually taking it a little bit deeper and looking at, so each organ has multiple functions. Are there energy lines that we can find within the organs? And then finding those energy lines in the body within each organ, mapping it out. And wow, if you want to say activating it so it has the centering quality or, or basically trying to create this window because we don't have the perfect human body. Yeah. So we try to bring in that centering quality so that we've gone beyond any physical person that we're seeing. And if you think of it, I mean, we look at, we look at the development of the human body as being based on this blueprint and this tension with the physical environment creates a little bit of a difference between each person and that blueprint, which actually gives us this feeling of beauty, give us, gives us this differentiation when we look at each other. And so if we can find those patterns and bring the sensor and quality into them. Now, the idea is we talk about something related. Um, we talk about this concept of the resonance of shape, where two similar shapes will have a resonance. Um, most people, if I say resonance of shape, I'll lose them. But if we go back to maybe a piano and we understand with, if we look at um, sound as a, a vibrational quality, which it is, you look at a piano where you go and you have, you know, your do, 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 and that's what we call resonance. Mm -hmm. So we can actually, there's um, an approach that we call the interchangeability of scales now. And we can look at, there's nothing that's not moving. There's nothing not a, not, that's not a motion. So what the biosignatures pendant is, is it actually has those shapes that naturally exist in the body, those energy flows. And they're open-ended linear diagrams. And think of it that in your body, there's an energy flow that's moving like that, mm -hmm. like a circle. When I put the same energy flow next to it, think of it that they start to move together. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, some people like to picture in their head a computer chip, you know, energy <laughs> Um, it's actually, uh, we were part of, um, a hepatitis C study in, in Egypt. Um, and it was a three-part study because at that time, hepatitis C was, um, it was one of the major health concerns. So they actually took on a national comparative study. They invited biogeometry to be a part of it. And it was divided into three parts. So in part one, biogeometry was the highest. It scored a 90% in normalizing enzymes. Um, and then there was those out of, out of about 300 people, those who could afford it, you know, I believe it was 80 or 90, uh, tested for viral clearance of which more than two thirds had complete viral clearance. The study was shut down after, even though people tried to come in with funding. Um, but at that time, the pendant, that was before the pendant, there was no pendant sold. Okay. Uh, that's actually how it came to be a biogeometry product. Oh. Um, 
it was actually on a little, um, it was a rectangle uh, on a, a, like a little rectangle thing that they called a chip. So the first one was called the biogeometry chip. And you had all the <laughs> signatures and then they looked like circuits. And then when, wow. when the head of the medical department, the dean of the university went out and talked about the study, uh, that's when people came and there was interest now for the pendant. Um, so I, I have here, uh, oh, I can't show you my screen. I yeah, sure. I can let you do that. Let me yeah, see. Yeah, it might be nice to just show you. To do that. Okay, now I think you can do it. Yeah, it might be easier than me explaining. So yeah. I, I, there's one article that I saw online and it has. Oh, wow. So you can see this was the model. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh working on. Um, this was developed with the Autistic uh, Society. And then I'm just going through the article here. Yeah, um, yeah. You could see this was where they're oh, wow. working on developing these centers in Egypt and the whole. Um, and then here you can see some of the different shapes. So you can see the, the shape that it's built upon. And then what we did in our office is because we had to start um, developing a prototype uh, to test. So in our office, we built one of the classrooms and it's open to, uh, there was some sessions there um, where you know the Autistic Society would come and they did some of their sessions there, but it's also open to anybody to come experience. Yeah. And so it's- uh, It sounds like it'd be a great way to you know, teach all the kids together because usually they will separate the autistic kids or p kids with learning disabilities, you know, in, in, in within the classroom. But um, that would be, I think, ideal if the kids could be in the same environment, get, you know, equally um, benefit from that, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Of course, a lot to the approach with, you know, people would be sidetracked, but even to the approach with autism. I mean, my the, the only term my father will use for autistic children is side kids. Um, Side kids? People, is that what you said? Yeah, but most people aren't aware of that term. It was actually because a long time ago, one of the, the researchers that actually one of the students did, and she it was in a center for, they called it a Side Kids Children's Center. But basically, it's because they would look at um, the extra abilities that children with autism would develop, and some of them were psychic, but it's just not a common term, but it's it's oh, interesting. Um, I haven't heard that. And so they have, they're more sensitive. And, and that's why they say that because they're just more sensitive to energy that people. Well, also, yeah, they say that they, they have more psychic abilities. I mean, part of my, um, you would see that part of my, I mean, I, uh, part of my sessions when I was, when I was actually in university, I was working with uh, children with autism. That's how I'd spend my summers volunteering and I would be helping to, to do their sessions. And there was, if you focused a lot, I mean, obviously just going through the school curriculum and things, you know, we would do that. But because I was a volunteer, I would also get to spend a lot of free time with them. And if you paid attention, you could also see that they did have abilities that, you know, that I would say maybe the mainstream kids didn't have. So there was always, and you know, so you'd focus on, so that's why the, the side kids, cause they, you know, they could have these, um, psychic abilities or extra artistic or creative abilities. Wow. Uh, and so, and, and the interesting thing that came out of that was um, that student who had that center that was called PsyKids or did what we, we, we refer to it as the PsyKids um, uh, research or experimenting. She showed all the biosignatures to the children there and every single child diagnosed with 
you know, whether it's autism or ADD or ADHD, picked out the same set of biosignatures. Oh my gosh. Help uh, center their energy system. And That's so incredible. she would give it to them with a piece of paper and they would pick it out. And so you was. Um, <laughs> that says a lot yeah. right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's very cool. Wow. This could change. This could be a game changer for, for the educational system. Big time. We need that in the United States so badly. And with everything going online now where, you know, my, my son's been on, on, uh, online school, you know, it's just like not the same. (laughs) So hard to get used to. Um, so oh my, I love, I love everything that we have talked about. This is incredible. Like, I, I feel like so many, this information, I, I'm, I'm honored that I'm able to get this information out to my audience. And I hope that it continues to, you know, expand and get out there as much as possible. Cause I think this is so important and uh, it just would make our life so much easier. We talk about you know, the, this futuristic kind of society of everything being easy and, and working with nature. And this is how I think we would do it, you know, kind of is that missing component. Um, let's see. I, th- I feel like we've touched upon just about everything that I wanted to talk about today. Um, let me just see if there's anything. Well, I, you know what, that that's actually leads into you know, how can biogeometry solve our environmental crisis, you know, our, uh, you know, the global warming aspect and, and uh, climate change and all these things. What, what are your thoughts on that, Doria? I mean, one of, one of the things we talk about, um, and you'll find it mentioned in Back to the Future for Mankind, is the fact that electromagnetic radiation as well, um, how it could be related to uh, to, the, to the climate change crisis. Because if we look at how do you heat things in a microwave, you heat it through electromagnetic waves. So we are adding all of these electromagnetic waves in the environment, completely un, you know, unchecked increase. And so you know, is there a connection there between that as well as the you know, temperature changes that we are seeing? So global warming and different oh, things. Yeah. Now, you know, it's, as far as what it means to us, it, I mean, or, or the biggest goal from for biogeometry is we actually use the term humanizing modern technology. And when we start to look at what it means to have a science of shape, I mean, there's the whole, you know, if we talk about that we create our environment. So yeah, electromagnetism, uh, sorry, um, you know, electro electromagnetic devices, uh, electricity uh, um, is, is all a part of that. But also, you know, just here having this mug right here this is a part of that too. And so when we look at a design magnetic shape and we look at shape as energy, there's no reason why I couldn't design this so that it is enhancing my interaction or, or basically my interaction with it or every interaction that I have with different products and different things is strengthening to my energy system, is bringing that center and quality to my energy system. And I think that's what biogeometry brings to the table is um, just like in balancing the body, it's, it's, or centering the body versus balancing the body. You don't have an approach anywhere where I can say, I'll make you better. And it doesn't matter what you have. Mm, or, right. you know, maybe that's not the exact way to put it, but it's, you know, let me start by making you better. And then we can look for the issues. That's 
in a way what centering the environment brings to the table. When we yeah. look at increasing that centering quality in any place, you know, and you can do it from, you know, whether you're doing it from master planning or architecture or adding shapes um, in the home, like what you've, you've mentioned. And what happens is when you bring in that quality, the reason we call it a centering quality is because of the effect that it has. You start to, to correct your environment, to take stress off the body. And you don't even have to sit and sit and, and first focus on the problems. And I think that's a huge thing as well yes. from that worldview is that if you're able to actually start centering issues without always being in the mode of, you know, this is the issue. This is what's causing me harm. That's what we've gone to today. You know, yes. we've gone to, it's just so easy to be, you know, scared of everything if you're you know if you're trying to find your path to nutrition today good luck it's probably you're gonna get there but it probably is gonna take you you know lots of sifting through listening to different people until you find you know what works for you same thing with you know if you're getting to that perfect um you know whatever it is to support your system workout um you know uh it's, it's, yeah. there's a lot of information out there. A lot. Yeah. Do you think that the, the comp people are used to things being complicated? They're not used to things being more simple and easy um, or, or what's the deal with that? Why would we always gravitate? Is it just because there's so much information out there that we feel like we have to kind of get through or it, it actually, what it sounds like to me is the centering quality is not there. So we're not sure like where to start in the first place. Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of different things. I think in, you know, not from a biometry perspective, we're just bombarded with all of these different resources of information. And maybe um, we weren't, you know, a, a lot of us went to school where it wasn't this much information. So part of a curriculum wasn't developed to how to sift through all of this information, assimilate it, find the proper resources, you know, if how to read studies, if you're interested in making your own decisions, all of these different things. I hope they're part of the educational curriculum today. Um, yeah. Now, you know, and then a lot of it is our uh, left brain perception that we, we need to talk about. We see things as separated. We see the body as separate. We don't see the body as a whole. And so that's, you know, it, it's very difficult. If you start looking at the body from an energy perspective, it's difficult to isolate one problem. You know, one thing could be the most pronounced, but if you look at it as a whole system, once there starts to be one issue, you can, you can see it in the whole system. It's the same thing in the environment. The environment isn't a piece. And so that's what we're also trying to do in terms of our approach to the environment or approach to the body. You know, what's, you know, let me find this problem, this problem, this problem and solve it, solve it, solve it. But it it doesn't create a sustainable approach, especially from the subtle energy perspective where your body is always in constant energy exchange. And so it's a little bit, I guess, maybe um, of being able to uh, open up a little bit to some, the wisdom of the environment and, and our connection to the environment. And so that's where we talk about, again, this qualitative energy exchange with the environment and environmental energies. Yeah, I think that is, 
is where we start. We, cause otherwise we're just running around like chickens with our head cut off. Right. Trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> and wasting a whole lot of energy in the meantime. Right. And yeah. we could just be, you know, a lot centering, as you say, and, uh, you know, sifting through what matters and what doesn't, you know, and, and I think that's, we, we tend to, I see people focusing on a lot of things that don't matter as much or aren't going to, like you said, you know, the, these little separate pieces, because I do believe uh, also that it is, we are too much in our left brain a lot of times. And like your, your father talked about, I, I heard him talking to Paul check in the interview that he did with him about how, um, and I, I, I think I heard you say this too, at the beginning of our interview about how we're, we are entering into a phase of, of stepping in more to the right brain and, and centering the, the left and right. Uh, because you, you need, you know, we need qualities of both, right? But we haven't been using the right as much, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's a different, um, there's, there's a, a, a TED talk that I, that I always found interesting. It's called The Stroke of Insight. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm the exact details. So it's, I believe she's a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what happens is she has a stroke and you can see that perception switching from the left brain to the right brain perception. It's important. It's important because it talks a lot. It, I think it would answer a lot of the questions that we spoke about today where, um, you know, what happened when that door to the right brain closed? Why is it important? Why is it important to our health and our future? Again, it's because we talk about this concept of absolute reality, the reality that we live in, this huge vibrational soup versus the perceived reality. And we're trying to control the absolute through the perceived. Mm. But there was a shift where we understand, I mean, you mentioned sound healing, for example. So people now are coming back and thinking of a sound as a vibration and how it can resonate with the body. And but if we look at now in, in ancient times, you would see that that came first. Mm -hmm. the, right. the, the effect of the sound came before language. The energy quality of the number, right, right, whether we're looking at one stone or two stones, for example, actually came before the development of using the number for practical purposes. Now, what happened right. is that practical purposes is what grew, is what our society is based on. The other part was a little bit that's lost. That's why I was talking about as well, looking at the lens of, so one of the things that we try to say is also for those who are looking at studying ancient sites or studying ancient rituals, is we have to be careful with the lens that we're looking through. Because if you're looking through today's left brain perception lens, you might miss the bigger picture. Mm, yes. And so a lot of times, you know, it's, we, we're looking at, and what biogeometry is trying to say is the reason that we try to work so much with, with, or one of the ways that we work with these energy principles of shape is that you also have a lot of traditions and rituals that approach the environment, but because we've lost the key to how do we work with these principles, we can't actually use those rituals or traditions to solve um, issues related to our environments with modern technology. So that's one of the reasons you actually find us focusing a lot on modern technology because you might have traditions that have been passed along for creating these positive environments. 
you know, whether some people might be using specific proportions or specific traditions coming from the country, you know, placement systems. But if you understand the principles behind them, then you should be able to adapt them to this era, to our scientific problems today. That's incredible. I, I absolutely love that. Well, oh my God, this has been an incredible interview. Doria, thank you so much for sharing this. And I hope to have you on again at some point in the future to expand on what we talked about today after I read these two books (laughs) or finish reading them. It's just like, I'm so excited about this. It's like, I I feel like a kid in a candy store reading these books right now. Um, So thank you so much again for coming on and please leave my audience with uh, some of the best ways to what will your offerings of course I know that you guys have some classes and, and great products that I've been using we didn't really talk about the charging pad and the clearing pad but those have been incredible too I've been putting things on the on both you know and uh, maybe you can just give everybody a little idea of what those are whatever you want to share about your offerings and and how to find you I mean, if they go to the website, biogeometry.com, that's probably uh, a best, the best place to start because you can see the shop, you can see some of the products, you can actually read a bit about biogeometry. Um, you can also go and look at our calendar for classes. You know, if you read the books and you want to get more into the practical work. Um, uh, also, you know, one really great resource is YouTube. So we, on the biogeometry YouTube page, there's a lot of different uh, types of products we have. Um, the pendant, you know, what you're, uh, one of our, I mean, for the body, when you come to buy signatures, we have two things, you know, either what we recommend for people, you can see I'm wearing a ring here with all of these different shapes. Oh, it's yeah. like the pendant. I also have the pendant on. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. What is the difference? I had a, actually forgot to ask this question earlier. Um, the, I, and I have the other pendant too. But what is, so obviously this has a lot more shapes on it right here. This one does, but um, the what the other one that you have on just is one shape and is there- One shape. Yeah. So this shape um, is what we call the L90. And it's actually uh, based on, if we come in and we look at the, the centering principle, one of the shapes that we talk about is where do we find the energy of that quality that we call BG3 or the center and principle. If you take a circle, mm-hmm. you can actually detect it in the middle of the circle. That's relevant because there is actually no middle of the circle. If you just point to that middle of the circle, I can keep expanding it and expanding it. So this shape, the L90 actually has to do channeling the energy, that centering energy found in a circle. It, there's a lot of, we talk about different design principles, um, but basically you'll see that you have a quarter circle here with lines being channeled out. And so we have these in different angles, all that have a different type of effect. And so we say that this produces the centering quality on the emotional level. Oh, wow. It's there on the pendant as well. But what happens is you mentioned the clearing tray. So anytime you're wearing any, and this, by the way, anybody who wears crystals or any other, any jewelry on your body, Mm -hmm. there's a level of energy exchange that we need to clear. Now, you can do that just by, you know, for the ring or the pendant, I can just like blow on it a little, tap it, wash it. I mean, the most, the most common thing that will affect it is things like dust. Okay. But we also have a clearing tray that comes with it that you would just place the pendant on once a day to help clear it. Now, the reason that we recommend having the L on there 
is it needs a lot less querying. Oh, okay. It just adds that extra support because for some people, if their pendant needs clearing, they can feel it. They can start feeling a little bit heavy. So having that on there helps. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it can be used for anything. You know, some people I know that have the clearing tray, they most often used it for glasses. So we'll have glasses, they'll put it on. That's a good idea. Yeah. People are using it with, uh, um, uh, you know, crystals, um, anything that really needs clearing. And then we have another tray. I actually have it here. Mine's probably a little dirty. So this is. Yeah, I have that one too. Is that the charging tray? That's what we call the charging tray. This was actually the, the shape that had the first biogeometry patent. Oh, okay. And it's the angle is um, is designed so that you would place anything here in the center, and you can actually begin to charge it. So you could just use it. I mean, I have it here. That's what I, I have. put water on there too. Yeah, yeah like a cup of water or something. Yeah, so I would just, I mean, don't put it straight touching here, just the, the part oh, that. Oh, okay, just that here. part. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, just make sure you can put it straight touching, but you would want it right in the middle of the, okay. the, the tray. And then those really interested to dive in, if they go even into that, we have a biogeometry Facebook group, they'll see a lot of different people who actually did this shape. And it looks quite simple, but you can see a lot of these different things in agriculture as well. Um, oh, okay. that it was used a lot in, in agriculture. There was three years um, my father spent at um, a Parasite Research Center in Holland. And this shape was used a lot in agriculture and you can see it as well on the group. And you can see a lot of people talking about the effects that they're seeing. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, some of the, uh, what is it? Uh, oh gosh. Uh, the name is escaping me. Uh, biodynamic farming. I'm sure they use some stuff too, as far as uh, I feel like there's also some similarities and we didn't really get into the sun moon stuff, but that's also the art of how they use that as well. But we save that for another, another time. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Thank you, Doria. This was, this was incredible. Thank you for spending the time with me today and, and talking about biogeometry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you.